welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Um, all right, hi everyone. I'll just quickly introduce myself again. Um, my name is Nora, I'm a sexaholic. Now I'm from Egypt. My sobriety is August 18th of 2020. Um, I was already kind of nervous. Um, who am I kidding? Not kind of, I'm nervous. But uh, while you guys introduced yourselves, um, I got both more nervous and uh, more calm at the same time. I got more nervous because it, I suddenly um, just feel I'm such a baby, really. I'm such a baby in recovery. I'm literally a baby uh, and uh, also a baby in recovery with all the you know sobriety dates and all you guys are great so i'm um i just want to remind myself i'm i'm among friends and it's uh it's so good to be here this meeting has really helped me um so i um i i did try to prepare a little bit i was not lucky with that i i did try i couldn't um so um i guess we'll just find out together what's going to come out. Um, so um, when uh, when Nancy asked me to speak, um, I guess I'll just start by sharing this part that um, I had such a rough day yesterday. And uh, this morning I woke up a little um, sick and um, I didn't have uh, I didn't have, uh, I'm a college student, I didn't have any classes today, so I let myself oversleep, and when I woke up and feeling a little sick, and I just saw um, Nancy's message, and uh, the first thing that came to my head, uh, no, I can't do that, I can't, I don't feel like doing that. Um, and then, um, and then I just, um, like, stared at chat for a, for a few minutes, actually, and the only thing I did feel like doing was um, like uh, staring at a wall. I did reach out twice last night. Um, so um, I don't know. I just wanted to share it first that it's um, it's really amazing how God works, especially on the on the very day that I simply felt like staring and you know staring to a wall. I'm I'm a speaker, so um, yeah, God's at work. This is not by any chance a coincidence. I do really need that. Um, it makes me feel far less lonely than I than that um, issue with my family made me feel yesterday. So I'm so glad I have a fellowship. So um, I I wanted it to be perfect to have my video on and to to feel good about it and all but no it doesn't have to be perfect in any way um so yeah here i am i guess i'll start by um, sharing a little bit about um my active addiction how i got here how i qualify as a sexaholic this personally is really important for me um to um when i listen to someone and i hear him or her share a little bit about uh, their, uh, you know, their their sexaholism, so I could know that they they qualify. They they've got the same disease that I have. So when when it clicks, and I just know that okay, you're you're just you're one of you're like me. You're just like me, and I can listen to the rest. So um, um, yeah, I really believe I have this disease in my genetic disposition. I um. I didn't research it. I don't, um, I'm not speaking for uh, for medicine or anything. I'm not saying addiction is genetic, but I believe 
I've had this disease for, for, for such a long time. I have been on this earth for almost 21 years. I'm going to be 21 in um, December 13th. Not good with math. That's probably four or five days. Um, um, and um, from a very young age, can't tell particularly when, but I, I just know I've been fascinated with uh, images, um, sex, even before I knew what the word meant, even before I listened or I heard the word itself. I knew I was hooked to some kind of force that I couldn't see. Um, and I just kept um, seeking it more and more. Um, so I, um, yeah, might have started with, um, or activated, I don't know. I was sexually molested um, in my childhood. Some of the experiences I, they were not many, they were mainly two experiences. One of them I knew, um, I knew, you know, that I just knew I shouldn't be doing this. This was wrong. One of them, I had a say in it. That's why I didn't call it molestation because I, because I didn't say no, because I actually was interested. Um, when a relative, not um, my, my cousin who was, just two years older than me initiated um, these sort of sexual interactions between me and her. My sister was there as well. But she was not interested, but I was. I, I was. I was just hooked. I. Um, it's not just that I couldn't say no. I. I was. I was interested. I was hooked. This word "hooked" really fits. It just describes the exact feeling I feel or felt. Um, I kept asking myself for a long time. I, I went, I've been through the same stuff at, that my sister has been through. Why did I end up being a sexaholic and she didn't? And, and I didn't get an, I don't have an answer for that question. I, and I don't think I ever will, but I, um, I only know one thing that I just am. Um, that's why I just believe it was always with me. Um, and at some point, I don't know when, I just stopped wondering why that was the case. Um, in my childhood and in my teenage years, I kept going from one thing to another. Um, I only knew that I, uh, I only, I, I always knew that I had that I didn't have to do that. I, I'm, I wasn't supposed to do that and I was supposed to hide it. There was always that sense of secrecy that just enveloped everything that was happening. Um, at first, it was just what I would call like so porn. It was not like pornography, um, but it was still stuff I knew I shouldn't be, uh, watching and um i'm yeah i'm i know the story i've been there but i um i'm not sure if, if i can tell it in the in the right order but i i just kept things kept progressing i promised myself i'm i think i did try to stop from the very beginning from the very very beginning i knew i should be stopping this i knew i should do something about it but whatever I did, it didn't work. Um, but there were no consequences for for a significant period of time. No consequences, just a curious child who's exploring the world. That's how it sounded to me. Um, yes, the secrecy was frustrating that I had to hide everything, but it was still at the same time exciting. Um, so, um, it started from porn to masturbation. I remember at one point I, um, I didn't know what masturbation even meant. And, um, I was already hooked with watching lots and lots of porn. And, um, when I did finally hear the word masturbation, that was like, I was like 
12 or 13 by then and i um i uh, i asked my mom what the word meant my mom had always had that theory that um we the children had to go ask her the questions we wanted to know about so we don't go look for it in all the wrong places and um and that's a good theory i still think it's a good theory but it didn't um save me from from the disease either maybe it worked with my sister but it did it with me because i did do that i went for her and i asked her what the word meant and she answered she didn't she didn't um she didn't hit me she didn't um scream at me she didn't yell she just answered me and she just told me that it was um not something i should do she just explained what it was and um i was really sort of um glad what's the word or uh, i don't know i just I, I was just happy that there was something because i was already filled with with shame and i was happy that i that there was something that i um that I didn't do, that I could, um, you know, um, shame the people who were doing it. Um, I just jumped at every single chance to to shame other people for what they were doing, especially when it had anything to do with, with you know, uh, sexual stuff. Um, and I, I just said something like, um, ew, why would someone do that? And that was it. And I um I don't remember exactly, but maybe like two weeks later or a month later, I, I did masturbate. And uh the and, and that was just it. That was just another another thing I discovered and I just couldn't let go. Um the progression was absolutely inevitable from the things I watched from the, the, the type of things I watched um, to, uh, to, uh, to the internet, you know, to cyber sex, phone sex, whatever it was, I told myself I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna cross this line, I'm not gonna cross this line, I'm not gonna, I'm just keeping it innocent, and I was never able to. Um, and um, during my, um, my teenage years, I was um, I was so mad at all the girls and the boys who could do the stuff that I couldn't do, and I couldn't do them because I was too scared to do it. Um, all of them said they had uh, they had boyfriends and girlfriends, and and that was um, that looked like something I wanted to have, but I was too scared to do that because I believe that. Um, my father specifically my fear of him held me back from from doing things held me back held back the escalation a little bit it, it didn't work absolutely of course i wish it did but it didn't um and i just hated them for for doing the things i wanted for myself but couldn't do and i went and just made all of this true in a virtual world that only I could control. Um, I just made up this entire world. No one knew about it. No one had to know about it. And I, I just went on to live all of that virtually with, uh, with people on the internet. And that was another beginning for me. Um, So that was um, that was probably the my my high school years were were the worst. That that was the point where things escalated, and I did try a lot of things to quit. I tried a lot of things. Um, I, I I was gonna say I tried um, I tried everything, but no, I didn't. I tried everything that came my way. I tried uh, self-help books. I tried, um, I tried religion. I tried swearing off. I I tried psychiatrists. 
and that's when I um, I tried getting enough, you know, getting help from from a family member. That's when I went from my from my mom and told her. And uh, the woman tried to help me. She did, and I'm 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 really uh, I loved her so much for that, and I still appreciate that she could do that for me. But her help was not enough. Nothing seemed to be sufficient to just you know take the curse from me. Because at some point it just felt like a curse. Like I just couldn't stop. And the pain kept getting more intense and severe. And I I just felt absolutely powerless. And that's when I my mom helped me go to um, a psychiatrist. And um, I only I only did one session with her. And I, I, I remember this very vividly. I told her I really feel um Powerless. I said the word powerless, and little did I know that this word would mean a lot for me now. Um, I, I, I told her I just feel powerless, and she told me, oh, don't you think this word is a little bit exaggerated? Because I was a 16-year-old girl who, who was watching porn and masturbation. That's how it sounded to her, and so it sounded to her like, I don't know, not, nothing, not, a, not such a big of a deal. And um, and then I, I I never I never went to her again. I just stopped going to her because she she suggested that I um, play um, you know sports that I do things that I already tried things that I already tried. Um, and um, one of the things I also tried was. Um, um, this uh, this group and uh, it also didn't work for me at least someone else could relate to uh, to my problem that was good someone else could could relate to the problem that made me feel less lonely and every single thing I tried every time I tried something new it gave me a surge of hope that that would be it but it wasn't and the amount of frustration I felt when, when it stopped working, or I mean, when it didn't work, was really painful. Um, so uh, one, uh, someone in that group gave me a podcast for, for somebody, and I listened to it. And, that, and, and the amount of hope I got out of this was astronomical because that person knew exactly what he was talking about he didn't just know what he was talking about he also had a solution that seemed to be working and that just got me hooked i was listening he talked about a fellowship he talked about a sponsor he talks to he talked about steps that he works um but I just thought that this was something um, I couldn't reach. And it took, it took another um, line to cross. It took another bottom. It took more pain to, uh, <clears throat> to have it in me to reach out to that person. I just looked for him, for his account on, on social media. And, um, and I did find him. I was not only talking to a pure stranger. I was talking to... A pure stranger, a man, um, someone who who um, I was talking, I was um, I was reaching out for him from my uh, from my account, so it was not a fake account. I mean, and uh, and I could simply he could simply like blackmail me for it, or yeah, everything, anything was possible, and I I was scared. It felt like a risk. It was a risk but it was the greatest risk i have ever taken i think because that person gave me um contact information to reach out for the local fellowship here and i remember uh, one thing i said to the person i um i talked to later and i told him um, that i'm a woman does that change anything and um and he said no and i was so relieved to hear that and then i attended my very first meeting um, on Zoom, 
And I don't know about everybody else, but I could, I could identify from my very first meeting. Five I, minutes, Nora. Thanks, Daniel. I could identify from, from that, from my very first meeting. And, um, and I, um, it just, it just really, I, I was given two gifts, the gifts of identification that I could relate to these people. And I was also given um, the gifts of desperation. I came to the fellowship in, 2000, in, July, in May 2019, and my sobriety date is August 2020. It took me a year and three months. Um, I don't want to talk about it like, uh, like, um, like I'm taking my sobriety for granted. If I don't work my program today, I'm acting out. Um, but, but it just taught me that the the fellowship, just like any any other thing, was not a magical wand that my sponsor was just gonna move it and 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 she was going to strike strike me sober that that didn't happen um so um i um yeah i don't know i i um i think i i think i'll stop here i'm really glad i um i came to the meeting today and I'm I'm really glad that I didn't I uh, I didn't see that coming I didn't see that coming at all, just like I said at the beginning. I um that was not my plan for the day, but God wanted me God wanted me here, and um, yeah, here I am. So um, I think I'll just stop here. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, my name is Hamad. I'm a recovering sexologist. Thank you so much, uh, Nora, for your share. I heard your share a few days ago before this meeting, and that was so clear. What I'm going to say, uh, I can't actually say it in one minute, but I need to speak up for that. I heard in your share that uh, one of your abuse that you experience you experienced wasn't you 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 think it wasn't a rape or sexual abuse because you didn't say no i i used to think like that uh, because i i've been sexually abused for nine years by different people and for a few of them i said yes but now i realize that was a real rape and sexual abuse because I wasn't aware enough. Okay, thank you. I wasn't aware enough. So I think I should reconsider that in my recovery today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Hamid. Thanks for that, Hamid. And Nancy, did you have your hand up? Go ahead. Make sure you unmute, Nancy. Yeah, I do. Um, you started out with saying your age, both in sobriety and in chronological that you've shared. I'm really, really touched by that. And um, I'm so grateful for your willingness to work your program. You felt crummy and, um, and then called me back. Um, I've never heard, you know, what it's like what happened, what it's like now. I've never heard of what it was like with so many kernels of wisdom in recovery. Um, and we've got a lot of people who are very early recovery. I'm so grateful for that. Um, gosh, I had a question. I mean, I, I would echo what Ahmed said um, about the abuse and saying yes. Um I guess, you know, um, how have you grown so fast in such a short time in the program? Time. Thanks, Margo. Wow. 
Thanks, Nancy. I was. <clears throat> All right. You. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm getting really um, emotional. So. Um... Okay. I don't know. I really. I don't. I don't think I have an answer. Uh, I. Don't, I don't think I have an answer, and um, I don't think if I can actually um, say this about myself. But the only thing I do know is that um, I definitely had that feeling. Sober at 19? God, that's boring. I thought that. Believe me, I thought that. And um, to, to be honest, I, I think that way sometimes. But whenever, whenever I get struck with the next lust hit, I just, I just do no way. I don't have another option. Um, I, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just think it was, especially the gift of desperation. I think I, I got it pretty early. I didn't, I didn't ask for it. I know I didn't ask for it. It was, it was given to me and, um, it felt like a lot of time because it was, it was always more, it was always more painful. So, um, and when I finally made it to the fellowship, um, it just, every single sponsor I worked with, and I've been in the fellowship for like three years, and I worked with um, five sponsors, and I learned something from every single one of them. Why did I get sober with that sponsor I worked with? I don't know. It's, it's, it's. I don't think it's me. I don't think it's her. I just think it was many, many factors. But I think the the, the point is that I was I was thankfully given the, the gift of desperation, and I'm 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 so glad I got it. I wouldn't return it for anything. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's what I can say about that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I need to add to that. Um, thank you so much. You know, if you took 20 and made it 60, you know, in comparison, that's six years of sobriety percentage wise of your life. But it was my heart's desire to have somebody today that was young. And I'm just really glad that I Power provided that. Thank you, Nancy. Sounds like our higher power has been working around our group and around Nora. Um, so the floor is still open. I don't see any little virtual hands up. Uh, speak up if you have. Brian, did you have a? Hey there. I'll, I'll share. Okay, go ahead, Daniel. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, I know sometimes my Wi-Fi is bad, so let me just make sure it's clear. Can you hear me okay now? Am I go ahead, through okay, or cut? okay, I'm coming through. Okay, great. Um, all right, thanks so much for the share and your vulnerability. I really appreciate it. I think the thing that resonated with me was having a very religious upbringing that kept me made from doing some things physically, but the mental and the digital world kind of somehow allowed me to do the things I wanted to do, but not go all the way. And so be able to judge people. So it was just an interesting thing as you were sharing that kind of how the religious element that colored it. And since I've, I've have a, I feel like a really connected relationship with God and, uh, and it looks different and deeper than it did before. But I'm kind of curious, how is your relationship with God shaped or uh, any other thoughts on kind of that blend of the like kind of religious morality, keeping in check physically in some ways, but also the digital giving you some of it. Anyway, thanks so much. Hey, Daniel, you may have to rephrase that question because you were breaking okay. up. Uh, I, okay. I don't I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, I'll just leave my video off. Uh, I guess I would just ask, um, how how is your relationship with God? What does it look like now? And what's your daily program? Does that come through? Sure. Sorry about that. Uh, you, you said now, right? Correct. Right. Thank you, Daniel. Um, that's a great question. 
I'm, I'm, I don't know where I am with that. I'm, I'm actually working on step um, eight with my sponsor. And um, there is just one thing that I can think of, or that's at least the, the first thing that came to my head, is that um, I could see God working now. Like, I, I for several times I heard Harvey A., um, say this thing that god saw me do the things i did and he loved me enough to bring me to the fellowship he also um always says um that um he he loved me so much in my act of addiction and now in recovery he must be head over heels for me so i um I know that he's always been there, that he's been working for me, that he's been at work all of the time, but I couldn't see that. So, um, I, at least I can see him working now. I, I, I can sense or I can see his work in, in front of me. I'm not saying I can, I can, that, um, that I can see everything that he's doing for me because I'm sure that the the amount of things that God saved me from, especially in my active addiction, I I was I I just don't know how close I was inches and seconds from from um, probably getting raped because I went to that place and it was so dangerous. It it didn't. At, at that point, it didn't feel that dangerous, but I, I definitely don't know the amount of the number of situations that God saved me from. Um, but I can see him working in me right now and uh, sponsoring others. I can see him working in other lives. And that is a great honor to experience. Um, so, uh, yeah. That's that's what I can think of. I wish I wish I uh, I wish I could be conscious of God's presence every day, but that's absolutely not the case. Um, and I'm I'm still reminding myself that I'm I'm still proceeding and progressing in my in my uh, in my recovery and in in working the steps. So I'm not I'm definitely not done with that. Um, that's that's what I had. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Daniel. We have two two virtual hands up. I'm going to go ahead and open it up to folks with fewer than 30 days. This would be a good opportunity to talk to someone uh, uh, who is young in the program. So uh, put up your virtual hand if you have a, a question or a comment. So Brian K, you're up next. Thank you, and uh, thank you, Nora. Um, I want to assure you, first of all, that the White Book encourages us to speak from the heart rather than pen, paper, and preparation. And you spoke from the heart. I deeply appreciate that, and you kept piercing my heart. I was really disappointed when Daniel did the five. I, 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 I was really on it. Um, also, uh, I appreciated the, the bafflement over why me. And the White Book tells me that regardless of other factors contributing to our addiction, we are the active agent in its development. And, and somebody said, Brian, does it really matter? Or what does the next right thing matter? That was a big help. But it's very difficult to, to ch pick among the things I'd want to bring up with you. But the one I really wanted to share that I'd so deeply, deeply appreciate is the bafflement over my 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 desire to, involve, to get involved in, in something that was sexual and both. I had a, I, I'm dealing with trauma now from my teen years. I was half there and yet it went beyond my control. And, and so I appreciated your honesty with, yes, I did want to do this thing that was actually to an outside observer would be abusive. And uh, I just really appreciated that. Okay, thanks. I'll wrap up. And, and I think what you also conveyed to me, the essence of addiction for me is I cannot both control and enjoy it. If I try to control my lust, I will not enjoy it, which means I have to abandon myself to lust. And now I get to abandon myself to this solution. And, and so just thank you so much. I pass. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thank you, Brian. 
Uh, we have four people in line now. I'm not sure. I, hopefully, we can get through all four. If we don't get to your question, hopefully, Nora can stay for a few minutes afterwards for virtual coffee and get to your question in more of an informal setting after we finish the meeting and stop the recording. But next up would be Amanda. There, I had trouble unmuting my phone. I'm sorry. So I'm Amanda, and I'm I'm nine days um, sober. Um, it, in listening to your story, I had an incident that I'm not sure if it is what made me a sex and love and fantasy um, addict. But I was in fourth grade, and another girl, my friend, actually molested me. And um, for years, I haven't said anything. I haven't told anybody. Even in this group, I've never said that out loud. So thank you for your share because it. It helps me say that out loud, um, but I didn't stop it either, but I also didn't understand really what was happening. But as an adult, I tell myself I should have understood what was happening um, and that it wasn't right, um, but I've never told anyone or said anything about it. And because it was a girl, it wasn't a guy, I also just brushed it under the rug. So um, any advice or that, that you have? Uh, around that I really don't know how to ask a question other than just state that 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 happened to me thanks Amanda can you um just repeat the uh, the first part where you where you just told what happened I'm sorry uh I was in fourth grade and one of my friends my best friend actually um molested me I mean she she did things to me that adults do to each other and um, I never really processed it. Um, I have guilt in that I let it happen and I didn't stop it. I won't say I enjoyed it uh, because I really didn't know what was happening to me because I didn't know what any of that meant. Um, you know, I'd been sheltered and protected from even I didn't even know about sex in fourth grade. So, you know, back then we didn't have Internet porn. It's just I didn't know. And um, so I've, I've dealt with shame and guilt of that my whole life for not stopping mm, it, yeah. for letting it happen. And it, it, you know, some of it felt good. It didn't feel bad. And so, but I was only in fourth grade and, you know, it was a girl that did it to me, not a guy. So, you know, I never really considered it, um, you know, being molested, but it, it was, I mean, I, she did it. I didn't know what it was. And so I really, I don't even know how to begin to process all of that. And I'm sure it has led to my sex and love and fantasy addiction that I have as an adult. Yeah. All right. Thank you for clarifying that. Thanks, Amanda. Um, all right. So I can absolutely relate to what you shared um, to, to the fact that I, that I partially didn't know what was going on um, to um it it did take time for me to process it because I am um, just like I said in my head I just looked at that part in my childhood actually I think I blocked it out for some time I don't know how I did that how my mind did that but that that's what happened and and then the memories started getting back to me and um and I um at some point when I started remembering everything that happened, because at some point we just, it just stopped and we never talked of it again. And when I started to process this, I was really angry at her. Um, because to me, it sounded like, like she was, or what happened was the reason for my sexaholism. That's how I saw it at first. Um, and I hated that because I, and at some point I remember when I was um, immersed in my acting out and I was in so much pain and I just wanted somebody to blame and I kept thinking of her. And at some point I just said, I hope grew to be a sexaholic. I hope she's experiencing the same pain I am experiencing right now. That's, that's how I was angry. Um, Time did help a lot, and um, and uh, wor during working step one, I had to write about everything that happened, and sharing it, sharing it once at my my sponsor, um, and also sharing it here in meetings 
it really helps me to just get it out and accept that it happened. And um, I don't know if that led to my sexaholism. I don't, I don't believe, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't believe that this was what led to my sexaholism. It was just something down the road because I really think I, I just had it from the beginning. And it, it, it doesn't matter. I'll just finish by, sh by saying this analogy. I love it. Um, I, I read it in the big book in one of the stories at the back. Someone was standing in a boat and the boat was burning. It was on fire. And instead of jumping into the water and just saving himself, he just stood in, in, in the middle of the boat and said, why the hell is it burning? Um, so jumping into the water for me is is using these tools I found in the program and um, and working this program. And it it is saving me. So that's, I think that's what I have. I hope this helps. Thank you. Great analogy. Thanks, Thanks so much for the question. Uh, Toka, you're up next. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, I'm going to share quickly. Uh, hi, Nora. <laughs> it's Toka. Hi. I want to say I'm so grateful. Uh, actually, it's not my first time to hear you. And I want to say every single time I hear you, I feel like, oh, my God. Actually, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to God that he gets you to the fellowship before me. Uh, so that when I come to the fellowship, I feel like, okay, I'm home. I'm in the right place. I have to uh, share my first tip. And actually, I get some power from your sharing. So thank you, Nora. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Toka. Uh, Kiba, you're up next. Be sure to unmute, Akiba. Oh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I got into the program when I was 20 years old, and I was already like totally done. And when everybody would tell me, "Oh, you're so lucky, you're so young," and I go like, "I wouldn't live up to your age." And by me, it all started with porn. And uh, one of my sexual education experiences was going to do homework with two of my girl classmates and them chasing me with an encyclopedia of sex and me pretending that I want to run away. But in today's day and age, I'm sober since 2008. I have six kids. I have the wife that loves me. And today the word sex uh, for me used to be when I would land on the firmer plane and it would say sex. I would want to write a letter Y. You know, I thought it's a yes or no question instead of a gender. But today I just know that me and my wife are two different genders, which are completely compatible. So when I give her a compliment, when I wash, when I wash, wash dishes, when I help with the kids, when I listen to her talk, practically speaking, it's, an, it's a relationship. Today, sex just means gender to me. And making the, those genders compatible in marriage is the most beautiful blessing I've had in life. I, I want to, I, I really want to bless you to have a good marriage with a husband who appreciates and understands you in spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Thanks, Akiva. Thank you, Akiva. Lee, you're up next. Lee just took his hand down, I believe. Um, Yes, I need somebody to go before me. Yes. Rokia is okay. next. Yeah, Rokia, go ahead, and then we'll take Lee, and that's about all the time we'll have. And so if you have an additional question, wait for the uh, post-meeting virtual coffee. So, Rokia, go ahead. Hello. Thanks, Nora. It uh, was inspiring. Uh, for me, I want to say that uh, I didn't know if uh, if I should say it or not, but uh, uh, the last days I have uh, suicidal thoughts. Uh, it was a stake to me before I came to program, but uh, it diminished uh, after I came here. But now I don't have uh, the reason. 
I become bored. I don't know if the program will be use, benefit, uh, useful for me or not. I keep to render and pray for God, but at um, some point I feel hopeless. So thank you. What should I do? Thank you. Thanks, Rukai. So uh, is your question specifically, what should you do about um, the suicidal thoughts? Yes. All right. Um, oh, thanks for sharing. I guess I'll, I'll share quickly about that. I, um, I tried to, to, I attempted, it was not a real suicide attempt, but it, at one point in my acting out, I was just in so much pain and I was really frustrated with myself. And I, I tried to harm myself, not with the intention of taking my life, but I just wanted, I just wanted a, a different pain to settle instead of that pain. Um, so I would definitely suggest you, um, you uh, reach out to uh, someone who's professional. Uh, I can't say anything about that, except that these feelings or, or attempts are nowhere to be found today. Um, I no longer have these thoughts because of the program. It, it just worked for me in, in progressively in sobriety and in recovery. And it, I just, it, it just didn't come to me anymore. I guess that's what I have. Uh, plus, I, just like I said, I would definitely re recommend you reach out to a professional. Thanks. I wanted to add, I don't know if this is part of Akia's question, but that being bored in essay, I'm just bored, you know, because you spoke with that. Being bored in, in the fellowship. Well, being young and bored and why do I have to cut myself off? I don't know if that was Akia's question, but I thought I heard that. Thanks, Nancy. I think I'll, yeah, I definitely heard the word bored. And I can definitely relate to that. Um, I think I already shared a little bit about that earlier, um, that at some points I feel that um, that it's, it's boring being sober and that um, it always came to me like, what the hell are you doing here? You can definitely go out there, have more, have more of love, just live your life. And, and then I can... I have all the time in the world. I just, I can come back tomorrow and, and make it right with God work the program. But just like I said, um, every, every single lust hit, every single, every single um, thing that just reminded me that I need, because I, I just, I just can't risk it. It's a gamble if I would make it back in the first place or if I would make it back in one piece. So it's definitely boring. I'm not going to say it's not boring. It can be sometimes boring to, to, um, to, to commit to meetings, to commit to talking to my sponsor once a week. Sometimes feels like the thing I was um, created to do, but it sometimes feels boring as hell as well. But the only thing I can um, say about that is the the sentence in the white book that says we take the actions and the feelings follow and that's always absolutely true for me they always follow i didn't feel like speaking today but the feelings followed i'm 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 really i'm really happy about it right now i'm not so the feelings do follow and i I just need to take the actions. I can't risk to wait myself to feel like doing it. I, I, I won't do it. That's what I have. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Rokia, for the, the question. Lee, we, ju we just have a couple of minutes. You're the last one. If we can go quickly. Go ahead, Lee. Oh, yeah. Get your mute there. Okay. Uh, or I just want to say that was a tremendously spiritually articulate share and spiritually 
articulate is what is really needing. And uh, the and, and I got there by the gift of desperation. And the gift of desperation is the G-O-D in my program. Uh, and it really worked. But the, the real question I have is the most powerful thing I've done in recovery is help others and sponsorship. Uh, the spiritual articulate ability you have, I think, would be great. Do you sponsor and how does it feel if you do? That's the question. Thanks, Lee. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here, really. Um, I do sponsor, and it's uh, and um, when uh, when my when one of my sponsors not one the I got sober with my former sponsor. Now I have a different sponsor. When she told me that. Um, that you can start sponsoring now. The only thing that matters is that the person you're sponsoring is uh, that you're ahead of them in the steps. It was scary, and um, but it's it's really something that I um, that is indispensable for me in my recovery. Not not just in my recovery in general. In today's sobriety, when I reach when I reach out or when I uh, pick up a call from from a sponsor even if i don't feel like doing that but experiencing getting to witness god's work in someone else's life is is just really life-saving for me and it helps keeps keep me sober for one more day um so so um yeah i'm trying to keep it short that's um that's what i have thank you so much Thanks, Lee, for, for the question. Thank you again, Thanks, Nora, very, very much for, for a fantastic meeting. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.